Welcome back to the Grace Escape Podcast. Yes, thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you doing? Oh, I'm. <laughs> I shouldn't have said good morning. It's okay. It's morning. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Wherever. wherever you are when you're listening to this podcast, and whatever day. Yeah. Um. Happy to have you. Yeah. Today we're gonna get into talking about all sorts of weirdness. <laughs> That goes on in these Pentecostal charismatic churches. Yeah, um, there's a lot of weirdness. And talk about whether it is biblical or Ooh, yeah. just crazy or all those things. Yeah, I think that I would like to just start right off by saying, because um, I think it's so good, is that the Holy Spirit's, according to scripture, the Holy Spirit's mission is to testify of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and to glorify him. Right. And a lot of the weirdness that goes on in particularly the Pentecostal evangelical type movement churches, um, those things tend to glorify the person rather than God. Well, I would so. even question whether it glorifies them or not, but it is a lot of me, 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 what can I get? How can I feel? Those kind of things that we've talked about before. Yeah, I think it's important to continue again to go back to the basic principle, and that is our, our yardstick should be our measuring stick or what we base all of our beliefs on should be grounded and rooted in Scripture. And anything yes. else extra biblically um, is up for a lot of interpretation, and that's where we start to get into some weird stuff. Yeah, and we have to be responsible to make sure these things are matching Scripture. I know that I am was guilty of not um, checking in with the Scripture mm-hmm. on a lot of the things I was involved in, a lot, a lot of the things I did, um, and I feel sorry for that now. Yeah, I'm going to just come out right out of the gate like a horse <laughs> and say, I don't, I unequivocally, <clears throat> excuse me, um, did I say that word right? Unequivocally? Unequivocally, unequi- sure, you did. You know what I'm trying <laughs> to say. Um. Like we said, I think it was last week, when you hit the the record button, that's when you... The words uh, don't come out The so words right. don't come out so good. <laughs> and we don't do any sort of any edit. I mean, unless there's some major issue, we don't do any editing on yeah. these. So, um, but I'm going to come out of the gate saying that I, I'm more than convinced now that a lot of this stuff that goes on is not the Holy Spirit at all. Um, and in some cases, it might be another spirit that you definitely don't want happening in your life. Well, so one of our um, very large examples in scripture of this sort of behavior that goes on sometimes in these churches is not a good example. It's like God or Christ casting a demon out of a child. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll get into that. But So let's read our theme scripture and jump into it. Okay, so Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. 
not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And today we want to talk about some of these things that we saw growing up and some of the things we heard about, some of the history of um, the charismatic movement, um, specifically in the weird actions that happened during the services <laughs> that are equated <laughs> and blamed on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think I might jump right into um, one of the more most weird most weirdest things, most weird things I think I witnessed growing up. Was this the one you were telling me the other day about? Uh, may, maybe. That sounds almost like a, like a mafia story or something. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, right in the middle of song service one time, uh, things were a little crazy, you know, the music was high and fast and people were dancing around as they do um well dancing is a loose term there but because we've seen good dancing and bad dancing (laughs) (laughs) well and david danced unto the lord so um hmm. yeah we should talk about that um anyway this was interesting behavior one man took off and ran into the baptismal room and from the audience in our church you could see the baptismal tank and people it was kind of off to the, was like a, it was kind of off to the side but it was cut a out huge window and, yeah. yeah well not window it was not cut out window but yeah yeah it was yeah. cut out you're right sorry anyway he took off running and he ran into there and ripped the uh, baptismal covers off the baptismal tank and got in in his suit, got into the baptismal tank and was splashing around. And even splashing the water out. Out. Trying mm-hmm. to get the holy water out on people <laughs> or the dirty water. I'm not joking, folks. This is this is not the Holy Spirit. No, that's, um, that's uh, losing control, which is kind of what we want to talk about first, right? Yeah, one of our big categories is um, just the lack of control. In your, yeah. in your body, in your emotions. Um, and I think we'll jump right into Galatians 5.22. Yeah, let's, let's read Galatians 5.22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What's this oh, word? What's that Self-control. And against such things there is no law. So the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of what is being produced in our life by the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. Um, and that's not to be confused with the other evidence that they claim is the, <laughs> is the evidence of infilling of the Holy Spirit. Oh, a static, um, tongue uh, talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that if you're losing, your self-control, and I would say in this case of the baptismal tank fella, he lost self-control. Yeah, and I think that's that's part of, we talked about it a little bit in the episode about music and control. We didn't get totally into group think and um, the control that happens when you're in a big crowd or a crowd and there's a lot of energy going on. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen clips of, you know, secular concerts where the crowd gets out of control and they throw things on the stage and that kind of thing. And so I, th- I think it's very similar. I think it's just this unruly crowd going on and it's mm-hmm. all under the assumption that the Holy Spirit is moving and, and operating. And so anything goes in those situations. Yeah. Well, you said before we started the episode, you wanted to really point out that a lot of these are mind-stopping our thought stopping behaviors and it's group think a lot of it. So when you're in a service like this and this craziness starts going on and it doesn't have to be like the hype version, it could be the slow crying your eyes out version. Um, you can feel a lot of peer, a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to join in, especially if you are, you know, higher up in the ministry ranks or whatever Well, you definitely would feel like the odd man out, too, if everybody is going crazy in the aisles and around the front of the stage, running around the building. Um, Oh, this just reminds me of a story. I mean, this goes way back for us, but there was a, um, there was a, I don't know, evangelist, someone that came through and uh, it was like a revival thing. He ended up staying for a while and he um, was very into running, and so they they had everybody bring their tennis shoes so they could run around yes. the building like a track. Do you remember that? I do remember that, and I was going to talk about running and how kind of dangerous it can be. Oh, um, yeah. Running yeah. the aisles, this quote-unquote phrase, you know, they use running the aisles. And like in our one church, the first church that we mostly grew up in, building, I mean, there was room to run all the way around the building without leaving the building. Mm-hmm. But then the next building we were in, you had to go out the back doors to be able to circle around, which I thought was funny. But um, yeah, the running Did we ever see crazy. people like run into to each other? Like have- Oh, for sure. There was accidents? a huge- Yeah. Yeah. In our newer church, there was a, there was a headbang in the back. And um, yeah, kind of- I remember them telling us actually as children to all run the right, the same direction. So no one would get hurt. If you yeah. were going to run the aisles, you had to do it a certain way. <laughs> so Sorry. I, I think that, um, when we look for new Testament examples, um, on what would be decent in an order in a church service, it, that, that we wouldn't see no. any of the new Testament apostles or leaders in um, doing any sort of this kind of behavior or encouraging it. Yeah. Um, no. And I, I want to point out as kind of a general statement before we get into, into any more, any specifics, I want to point out that what did, what would this look like if you behaved like this? Um, anywhere. In your, yeah. In your everyday life, like um, at work or um, at a guest's home, if you were a guest in someone's home, I mean, well, yeah, and I think that's why um, it was hard sometimes to want to invite somebody to yes. these type of church revivals um, because you were like, man, they're really going to think I'm crazy. And I was, yeah, I was very embarrassed by that. As I remember that as like a teenager. And they wear it as a badge of honor now. They get up and say, um, you may, if you're new, if, if this is your first time here, you may think we're crazy. But this is just an app. We're we're operating like an apostolic church in the yeah. New Testament. Doing so, everything by the book. 
I would say if that's true, I've, I've looked, I can't find, I can't find any scripture that says, you know, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is going to lose, is you're going to lose control of the way that you act. Yeah. And I'm just thinking too, like, um, what kind of testimony does that? So like I was in a restaurant one time after church with a group of young people and a very zealous new convert guy, um, was going to pray over our food if we were in a large group and he stood, he got on top of the, the table to pray for everyone's food. Like he stood on top of it. Yeah. Those are, those are some of the behaviors and you would see it more in what they would call new converts, you know, sure. people that got in and already had maybe a proclivity to be a little out of control or Extra, wild yeah. or whatever. And so, um, again, I think we have to, we, we definitely have to, um, go to scripture to get our, all of our foundation to whether this kind of behavior is correct or not. And I think it's interesting that, that we would have checks in our own minds about this being weird or, um, out of control. And, and yet you were, you were told to suppress those feelings or that those feelings were just your flesh, Mm -hmm. your pride, that sort of thing. Um, and I just, I just find it so interesting now that those things are blamed on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where they get that. That's um, the origination of their behavior. I, I think if you look at what the Holy Spirit scripturally was given to the church for, um, and I don't want to get too much into a Bible study because this is just us conversating, but it's it's definitely um, the Holy Spirit is <laughs> the things that again we read in 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 the beginning the fruits of the Spirit those are the things that there is no law against and those are the things that through the Holy Spirit empowering us we can we can have those things in our life. Right. Um, and so I would say if you're watching or listening to this and you believe differently that those kind of things, and we'll talk about, um, you talked about some of the more extreme things like jumping in the baptismal, but just the ecstatic type of running around. Um, one of the things, I mean, there was, I think there was, a song that was written by a UPC preacher that was very popular about, and and the line was like, we've been, we've been known to get wild. Let our hair hang down. Yeah. Drink till we get Mary, get Mary rolling on the ground. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, rolling. That's another one. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Uh, That's what made me think about it is the, the Holy roller term. Yeah. The Holy roller. How, did you see anyone holy roll uh, while you were in the uh, Yeah, it wasn't probably as common as we heard it more as yeah. kind of said, 
you know, the, the power of the Holy Spirit was so powerful back in the day that, you know, it would cause people to roll on the ground. It's interesting. They choose certain behaviors because like, so none of these are found in scripture. I mean, like dancing is in scripture, right? But much different. I'm sure it looked very, very different when David danced unto the Lord and there was a good reason for it too. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of the dancing now is just, um, because of the music, because of the music and it's glorifying self. It's not anyway. Um, but the holy rolling or rolling on the floor is not anywhere in scripture. So it's kind of funny that they just choose these random behaviors to. Well, and I, again, as I said, I would argue that maybe some of the times, and I'm not saying in general terms that by any means that people were possessed with some other spirit. But if we look for a New Testament example of somebody rolling on the ground or kind of losing control of themselves, it was demonic possession or some other spirit that had control of them that Jesus had to cast out. And why would we want to, I mean, why would... Why would it ever look like that? Like, why would the Holy Spirit, his work in us manifest itself like that? That Yeah, I'm pretty fired up, actually, more recently in some of the, um, I, w- I want the term for what it is that we do when we, when we research and watch painstakingly <laughs> sometimes for just um, research purposes, mostly these Pentecostal charismatic UPC church services online. It's, it's great. They're online now. Um, so you can, you can go back and, and look at them and really In discern, um, and test the spirit, which is what we are told to do in the new Testament is test every spirit. Yes. And, um, also to rightly look at God's word and context and see if what is being preached over the pulpit or said over the stage is, actually accurate to what the new testament church was told or instructed um and so i i'm i'm pretty fired up recently because of some of the stuff that i've been watching and just the the way that there's there's absolutely no reverence for the holy spirit the holy spirit is blamed for every um ungodly in my opinion and carnal um action in the church today. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just throw it around like a, a like a magic formula s- or spell power. almost, yeah. you know? So, uh, anyways, Ugh. well, um, I have another category that's kind of big and I think growing up in the United Pentecostal church organization, we may not have seen this stuff as much, but it still happened. And I'm going to call this category in the spirit. Okay. Um, I have drunk in the spirit. I have laughing in the spirit and slain in the spirit. And first I would just like to say, obviously none of these are exampled in scripture. So that should be a giant alarm bell that mm-hmm. goes off in your head. Um, if any of these activities were of importance to God, uh, there wouldn't be a glaring omission of them in scripture. Right. And I think, as you mentioned earlier, there was a purpose for, for, 
um, the Holy Spirit being sent by the Father. It's it's in the Gospels. You can read it there. Mm-hmm. And then we have the early church having what was called the gifts of the Spirit. Right. Okay. And which is, Paul goes into that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and then we have the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Where do we have in scripture any sort of indication that there is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in some sort of extra um, way you act in uh-huh. a modern church service? Nowhere. Well, there is, yeah. Nowhere. So I think some of the ways that they would justify it would be going into, again, the Psalms and taking out some of the some of the scriptures about dancing and bowing and praising and all those kind of things and turn those into making uh, loud noise. But you have to remember these things in the old Testament were done very reverently. They were done um, out of extreme um, gratefulness or yeah, those sort of things. And I, I would just, I would question whether any of this stuff would even happen without the modern praise music, the For Pentecostal sure. style music are in the church. So, um, and then I think that the biggest thing is, is that in what we've talked about is they're very, they could be very disruptive, very, um, out of control at times. Yes. So it's not like, you know, you could go to a, a UPC service tomorrow and maybe not experience these things the first time you go, um, to them. To the service. Yeah, for sure. So anyways, let's talk about some of those in the spirit things. Okay, so like drunk is probably maybe the most common one. Actually, maybe that's a lie. But um, I'm just kind of pointed straight to scripture about drunkenness and like acting like a drunkard and stuff. It's yeah, so I would negative. say that that was very that was more common. I would think back when we were um, younger, where you would hear more about being drunk in the spirit or be, having to be hauled out by people because you were so lost. I had a friend once; she was a little bit older than me, but I had a friend once that um, the children's choir was up singing one night, and then suddenly, I guess you know, the spirit of the Lord moved in and and turned the place upside down. Um, and one of the children's choir members, which was my friend, suddenly got drunk in tongues, or I think that's drunk in the spirit anyway, is tongues or acting drunk, I guess maybe. But she was just speaking in tongues. She couldn't speak any English. And I remember as, I mean, I probably was 11 and just having a real strong aversion to that thinking, you're, I feel like you're faking this, first of all. And you're getting a lot of attention because she was having a crowd around her that was kind of, because she was also laughing too and speaking in tongues. And so there was a lot of attention that she was getting mm-hmm. right at that point. And I just thought to myself, this is, something's wrong here. Yeah. And I think they get, they they pull the drunk in the spirit that is associated with tongues from um, a couple passages, one in the book of Acts where um, we have the 
account, the historical account of when the Holy Spirit was poured out um, on the 120. And so there was, there's some language in there about people asking because these people were speaking languages they didn't understand, mm-hmm. um, asking if they were drunk. And then you have the scripture in the New Testament epistles where it says, don't be drunk where, with wine in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so from those two passages, they justify or um, make their their scriptural biblical basis that being drunk or um, being lost in the spirit, those sort of things is okay based off of those scriptures is, is my remembrance of, of that. Yeah, I would agree. I, I find it weird though, because it's like, if you're not supposed to be drunk, like mm-hmm. if drunkenness is a sin and it's going to keep you out of the kingdom of God, which that's in the Bible, um, then why would it be okay to act like yeah. a drunk person? Just why would the spirit manifest itself like that? Again? Well, we have some scriptures we wrote down. Um, and you said, of course, there's no, there's no scriptural example um, for, for this action. Right. Um, so Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as my as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Yeah. And then he goes on to list some things in the later scriptures that equal that, right. Mm -hmm. Or that show that or don't show it. And in verse 18, Ephesians 5, 18, Mm -hmm. popping right down to that, he says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Well, and that's the scripture I just mentioned. Yes. So we have a contrast here where he's saying, these are the actions you should be doing, and these are the actions you shouldn't be doing. Right. And then he he contrasts being drunk with wine to being filled with the spirit. But that's not saying, oh, don't get drunk with wine, but you can get drunk in the spirit and have the same actions. I, I don't understand that at all. Like how... I don't understand how they can think that's okay. But how did he say that we should be filled with the Spirit? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. I mean... And we have some other scriptures um, written down you could... Go read them. Galatians five nineteen through twenty one talks again about all the works of the flesh, and of course, drunkenness is listed in there, mm-hmm. correct? And then First Peter four and three um, talks about drunkenness and being out of control with your flesh. Yeah, there's there are a lot of scriptures actually that talk about how drunkenness is not pleasing to the Lord, you know? So, so, um, if someone could tell me how acting drunk in church, even though you haven't had any alcohol is, is how God wants us to act. I, I just, I don't know where you could, where you could come up with that now. Um, so I, I wanted to say one more thing and that is, this is not going to be an episode on tongues specifically, but when we're talking about this stuff, obviously it comes up 
And um, I think it's very important um, to understand that scripturally we have very historical account of, of the Holy Spirit being poured out in the different people groups in Acts, and that was associated with sign gifts, one of them being tongues. And then we have Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, which was a very early letter in terms of the historical New Testament where he's admonishing them. It's it's like a rebuke, yeah. basically, where he's talking about the spiritual gifts and how that's all that the church was really desiring and they were all wanting the one that made them look, you know, like they had all the power <laughs> and and yeah. and he was he was saying you're 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 looking after all this and you're mis- missing the bigger picture of what the holy spirit is supposed to do in the believer's life for the benefit of the church body Amen. these these sign gifts which were were that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and um spiritual sign gifts um and then the fruit of the spirit those those things are for the building up of the body. And Paul makes it clear in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 that those things are for the building up of the body of Christ. And that's the point of, of those spiritual gifts. And so I think it's interesting that that's not what we see in the modern charismatic Pentecostal style churches is like these things are not being, these are not, being used to build up the body of Christ, it's kind of what you said. It's it's definitely more um, just a self-feeling thing. Personal it, experience. Yeah, type that of makes thing. sense. Yeah. So so we have the drunkenness thing, and then you mentioned laughing was part of that. And I remember as a kid going to youth camps, and that was a big thing that, that at least as a young person, was – not that they would want people or encourage them to get drunk, but um, in the spirit. But that was something that did manifest itself more, I think, when we were young people than I've seen more recently. But yeah. you can still find uh, charismatic churches, the greater charismatic, bigger, movement. Yeah, yeah, bigger that are still very they much into this this stuff. Yeah. So, and laughing isn't a bad thing, right? It does good, like a medicine. The Bible yeah. says so joy and laughter and happiness, all wonderful things. Um, but laughing in a church setting uncontrollably being disruptive, actually, Mm -hmm. I watched a video the other day of a, of a, a woman who was actually the preacher for that service. Um, she, as soon as she took the microphone to start her speaking, she got hit with the Holy spirit laughter. And she's, I mean, people in the audience were staring at her wondering when are you going to stop so we can actually hear what you were supposed to. I mean, how weird, weird would that be if you were, if you were going, you know, you went to somebody's house or you were having a conversation with them and they just started laughing, laughing uncontrollably and you couldn't have a conversation. I, I read about that. I had a boss once that I think it was a, uh, what do you call it when you have, you know, an insecurity and you mask it with certain things? 
I don't know what that's called, but anyways, I think, I think that's good enough. I think it was something like that where everything was, everything was a laugh. You know, you, yeah. you, you laughed a huge belly laugh over things that weren't funny right. at all. Anyways, that's, that's well, it's off. a bit annoying too, you know, and it's fun when everyone's laughing at the same joke or at the same funny thing that happened in a group setting and, and you may get the giggles and it may last a bit, but it's a group thing, right? First of all, a lot of these laughing in the spirit examples are just one person losing their mind mm-hmm. and disrupting and being disorderly and, um, that's not a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So that's what I read online is that these these people who believe that laughing in the Spirit is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, they um, they claim that it's God's laughter coming through us through the Holy Spirit. Like, and that's so weird to me. And their scripture for it is John 14, 21 through 23, which is he who has my commandments and keeps them. It is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. I mean, how would you take that scripture and equal it to mean that God's going to have these weird behaviors? I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how they're, they're very good and experienced in twisting God's God's word, word. Mm. (laughs) unfortunately, which is not a laughing matter. No, it is at all. Okay. What was the last one in your group of in the spirit, my in the spirit category it's slain. Mm. And, um, again, no example in scripture, the pushers or the catchers. (laughs) That's funny. Um, yeah, just, uh, look up Benny Hinn. Oh dear goodness. Or what a mess. Or any of these other big NAR oh. uh prosperity preachers that are on the charismatic Pentecostal side. I mean it's it they still do this stuff. It's so weird, first of all, but and I just I um I realize in searching the scripture, any falling back that happened in the scripture, um voluntary or involuntary was before God, Mm. not man. And of course they would claim, you know, it's the Holy spirit that's making them fall back, but that's a lie because first of all, they're either being laid on by hands of man. There's a lot of times being pushed. I've watched it Mm -hmm. on YouTube. It's disgusting. Sometimes they're hit with things like coats and hankies Oh yeah, we had. I mean, give me a break. We had a um, a well-known UPC prophet. I don't think he's in the UPC. I, in fact, I know he's not in the UPC anymore. He is not. Um, and uh, anyways, uh, I, yeah, hanky hitting people with hankies. Yeah, was with, a big thing. Yeah, with tongues. Um, I heard a story the other day from a U. It wasn't United Pentecostal, but they were they were. A, a long time Pentecostal group where somebody had died in their church that was like the founding father, you know, pastor, whatever. And they, somebody said when they, when he died, somebody went and grabbed his handkerchief out of the, out of the laundry bin so that it wouldn't get washed. And then they could have all the anointing that was on this <laughs> hanky. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what were we in? What were we in? I this mean, is, this is 
very um, Gnostic and like new age and witchcraft where they use, they think that items have power. Mm -hmm. That is not biblical. Well, you, it's not, but they, but again, they, they pick a scripture out of, of context, you know, in the new Testament where they did cut off parts of the apostles um, clothing and, you know, we're talking about apostles that could walk by people and they were healed just by in their shadow. So that, that again is not, that's not happening today. No, that is not happening today. There's no need for it to happen today. So I don't know why they think that the same things happen now, like using hinky, anointed hinkies to, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) and these, these manifestations have gone wild in some of these churches where like things like barking and roaring and vomiting are all yeah claims signs. of levitation yeah um claims of all sorts of very um i would say again very witchcraft like yeah actions and if you demonic if you you know study or read some of the historical accounts of azusa street which is one of their the UPCs at least, and many other charismatic um, Pentecostal style groups uh, claim Azusa Street as one of their, you know, key restoration moments of Mm. the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And some of the stuff that went on um, there is just crazy. Crazy. I mean, really, really crazy. Yeah. And I would say not, not the Holy Spirit. No. The things of God are characterized as peace, not disorder. First mm-hmm. um, Corinthians fourteen forty, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. I mean, that combined with self control being one of the fruits of this Holy Spirit, like I just don't know how they think this stuff is okay. But I think it's a good segue from being slain in the Spirit to another kind of weird thing that I never liked at all. And I would say a lot of people probably don't, but it's, it's prevalent in definitely the altar calls is the laying on of hands. Mm. Of course, we see that phrase and that activity happening in scripture. We do all throughout scripture. Um, first of all, I couldn't find, um, I've been interested in knowing whether laying, where laying hands on the head came in okay. because I didn't feel like that was in scripture, but I found out that there's a ton of scripture about laying hands on the head of sacrifices before they were slaughtered to transfer the sin from the people to the animal. So obviously in the old Testament when they were under the law and doing sacrifices and stuff. So, um, that made some sense to me. Um, but you don't see the laying the hands on the head in the New Testament. You just see laying on of hands, right? Or they laid hands on them and prayed. But I think more importantly than the head thing, because maybe they have biblical context for that. I can't really find it. But I think bigger than that is the laying on of hands, period. I... I see them use it as some sort of magical power type thing. Like when I lay my hands on you, you're going to get something. 
even though in some cases nothing really ever happens. Yeah. I, the only, in my research of laying on of hands, there's, there's reasons for it. It's, it's for joining together in unity and agreement. And it's a symbolic gesture of faith in the Lord to, to bring blessing or healing. And, but it's a combined thing. It's like joining in agreement. That's not what we witnessed as in the, in the church that we grew up in. It was a a leader in the church, it could only be a leader in the church, laying hands on someone's head to demand or declare something over that person. It wasn't joining an agreement. Mm. So I think that is, and even in 1 Timothy 5.22, Paul said do not be hasty in the laying on of hands nor take part in the sins of others keep yourself pure so it shouldn't just be a thing that's happening unless you're joining in agreement with someone and praying together yeah i noticed i noticed that um there were certain men in the church that you know were doing it to to women too all the time and i just find that inappropriate Unless again, you've, you've asked for an elder that you trust to lay their hands on you to pray, Mm -hmm. but this is just willy nilly, like just laying their hands on anybody. Um, again, that's why I think the altar area is dangerous. (laughs) It is dangerous area. Well, like, so I, you can say this is prideful, but I didn't want someone laying their hands on my head. First of all, it would mess my hair up Mm -hmm. and it wasn't really a prideful thing. It was, I, I do my hair to make myself presentable. Uh, That's something I enjoy doing and I don't want you smushing it. Mm. And then on top of it, you've got sweaty hands on your head. Not to mention when they try to put anointing oil on your head as well. It's like, then you got a shiny spot on your head the rest of the gross yeah so we saw a lot of that we saw a lot of that um we did and laying hands of course like i said is in scripture but it should be being done correctly and i don't well i just I, i think there's a lot of things that are just again taken out of scripture and then just used as just another part of the the overall control of the of the church right Mm -hmm. so are there practices that are biblical that there's maybe nothing wrong with them yes but if they're abused or used incorrectly or used to control people or used just as you know something that you think that you were taught to do but you don't really have any scriptural basis of why you're doing it um i think that's dangerous um and weird. Agreed. Um, okay, so there's always some noises that take place too that are a little bit questionable to me. Not a little bit. A well, lot. you mentioned some of them already, barking and. <laughs> <laughs> I did never. I never heard a. 
bark. I don't think and in I, my I, time. What other but... noises are you talking about? Like, well, <laughs> babe, you're we're talk- not talking about all the noises, just some noises. Um, let's give you. Let's talk about this one: the intercessory prayer. Okay. Intercessory prayer is biblical again, right? Um, but when one person is doing it, this is what I experienced during prayer meetings, which were the 30 minute periods of time before church started where we would pray. Uh, there was a woman who frequently would go into intercessory prayer. It was very loud. It sounded like she was giving birth. It was super distracting. It was all I could hear, all I could focus on, and I couldn't even have my own time of prayer. And I think scripture slash Jesus taught us some stuff about prayer. He did. Um, On that same note of weird noises and stuff that comes out of people's mouths in these churches, I would, that is so distracting, I would say it's these phrases that they, they called their... They're not biblical tongues. They're um, there's a term for it. Heavenly language. No, the 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 actual term, the actual oh, glossolalia. Yeah, where it's just it's just, and it's usually the same phrase over and over and over and right. over again, and you can almost repeat it because you've heard this person say it. And and sometimes they'll mix it up a little bit or whatever, but it's the same thing over and over and they're 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 doing it so loud that's all you can hear. And I think like you said there's there's scripture where Jesus has taught us we're not supposed to be praying loudly like that so other people can hear us. Right. We're supposed to go what? Into in uh, in our closet to pray. Yeah, and and Not we're supposed to pray in secret. secret. Yeah. So does that mean that there's never a time where you? pray corporately or together with other people absolutely not no. don't hear what we're not saying yeah that's uh, a beautiful thing but but not in not in this disorderly way mm-hmm. where everybody is just you know that this this looks more like a pagan practice than anything else and it is what i would say i agree and of course they're going to go into um the groaning of in the spirit that's one of the scriptures they use, which is out of context. And the, the script, the scripture says that the spirit is making intercession for us. Romans eight twenty six. Yeah, Read it, please. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. If we don't know what to pray for, then how is how, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, too deep for words. And this is the scripture that they use. It's a proof text scripture to say that groaning or, you know, making these weird, like you described, giving birth noises. um, That's the scripture they use for that. And does, again, I don't, I feel like sometimes I uh, try to give the exception to the rule, right? But, 
would there be times where you might cry out to God in grief or you might cry out to God for mercy over a situation that that is of course not what we're talking about well I also think that that stuff is done usually in private or very good clarification maybe a spouse or something or a close friend yeah that's a that's a grief situation. That's not what this these people are doing. They're doing it every Sunday. Yep. Making a huge spectacle. That's not an atmosphere. <laughs> I don't like to use that word. That's not only an because it's used and 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 abused in the it's in abused. these charismatic churches now. Yeah. I heard someone oh the other day <laughs> say I mean, they say it every service now, so I don't know why it's funny now, but it's like you're going you're gonna to shift the atmosphere and um, go to an atmosphere that you've never had. It's just so new age, weird it stuff. It is. No thanks. I like living right down here on the, on the grounded, grounded earth. Um, right along those intercessory prayer activities, um, there's these tongues that go on. Right? Oh, right. Like I just mentioned. Yes. And this is not a an episode on tongues. And boy, but do boy, people come out to... of the word, <laughs> woodwork on the tongues thing. And it's hard not to, it's hard not to talk about tongues because it's a big deal, first of all. It's a huge deal in the UPC. In the UPC because and... what? You can't go to heaven unless you do it. Yeah. According to them. Yeah. And uh, so I think that we will dedicate a whole episode, which will um, will dive deeper. But biblically, I know there's people that are going to comment opposite, but there isn't two types of tongues described in the New Testament, no matter how you try to twist. Um, Twisting Corinth, is correct. Um, Corinthians. So yeah. in this episode, we are not going to debate whether tongues is a gift that is still being given out today okay. or not. Okay. I don't, I don't want to get into that today. Yeah. Okay. Because we're just talking about the weird stuff that happens in church, yeah. the stuff, the out of control, um, questioning whether it's biblical, whether it's in scripture or not. Um, but this is something that is big in the charismatic churches is the, um, is the tongues thing, obviously. And, uh, you hear the same phrases over and over and over. It's almost like it's taught in a way. Although I would say that's not the experience we had growing up in the UPC, um, but we've seen it more recently. You think that when we were growing up, you didn't hear like the same phrase over and over? No, 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 no. I'm saying being taught, like hear what I'm, you know, the phrase like, saying it in someone's ear so that they'll start to learn it, learn and, and, and do okay. it. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that wasn't. If someone was seeking for the Holy ghost, quote unquote, which was tongues, um, we would just pray with them until I don't know, either they, <laughs> I saw a clip the other day and this, and this woman was trying to, they call it pray someone through to the Holy spirit. Okay. And she was saying, "It's gonna sa- you're going to sound like you're talking like a baby. And then proceeds to go like making baby noises like la, 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 like that. And saying, just do that. Just do that. It's going to sound like a baby. 
it doesn't matter. You're going to sound like a baby. Just go la 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 la. Oh, I mean, boy. where in the scripture, where in the scripture do we have any example of that? When, when we have the acts accounts of the Holy Spirit being the, being, um, poured out on the groups of people, the four mm-hmm. distinct groups of people in acts, um, they immediately spoke in other languages. languages. Um, and so I would encourage you if you, if you're hung up on the new Testament tongues thing in any way is to, to really do some study outside of the charismatic view of tongues. Um, because if you look back to the founding kind of people that were involved in this restoration is what they call the second outpouring and it was somewhere around the early 1900s. You have Parham, Charles Foxham. Charles Fox Parham, Parham mm-hmm. is their big, big, big one. Founding father. Mm-hmm. And they believed that it was known languages. That's what tongues were, were known languages. Mm-hmm. And it was only until they sent out missionaries to these other countries that went there and were... <laughs> pretty much laughed away because they were just speaking gibberish yeah um and even writing gibberish yes and so um they had to kind of reformulate the idea so i think it's very important for the charismatic or the pentecostal person to understand that this this second type of tongues interpretation of of biblical tongues is something that has only been around for about a hundred years, little over a hundred years. Right. That that there's a that there's two types of tongues. And we've got that comment before. We've got the comment before that you clearly never um had the Holy Spirit before <sighs> or now because tongues is such a wonderful thing. And um there's such an emphasis on that particular gift. It's yeah. You know, that's their big, big thing. And so um, I would say, back to what I said earlier in the episode, if you're still with us, thanks for sticking yes. sticking with us. Yeah, because we're, we're coming up on the hour marker. Um, is that Paul was admonishing the early church in Corinthians not to be just focusing on one gift that God poured out his gifts as he willed on people. And so I'll, I'll come out and, and say it. If you don't already know it, you don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. That's, that's an absolute heretical teaching. Yes, it is. Um, and so if you, I would say, like I've said, I think modern tongues in the sense of the charismatic church where you can clearly see that it's, it's being manipulated. It's being, um, and, and if you don't, if you're not paying attention to it or, or, or analyzing it from an outside perspective, you might not realize that these people are saying the same phrase over and over and over again. If you, if you can watch somebody that's in a microphone or someone that's a preacher or a singer or whatever, and they're doing it, it, typically it's the same phrase over and over and over and over again. Yes. Um, that just seems like it's learned to me anyways. Well, and if it was an actual 
language, you would be, that would mean you were saying the same thing over and over, which doesn't seem like. It would be vain repetition. Yes. Yes, it would be. First Corinthians 14, um, 37 and 38 says, if anyone thinks that he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that these things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. And everything above that was, um, a lot of it was tongues, not everything, because he also talked about yeah. other things. If anyone does not recognize this, he does not recognize. He is not recognized. So Paul is clearly stating that in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, that what he is writing to that church is a command of God. Yeah. It's a yeah. command of God. And and they literally blatantly disobey it. Every, every ser- church service. Yeah. Every service. It's mind-blowing. And specifically what we're talking about is commanding people to speak in tongues all at the same time or having tongues spoken with nobody understanding what is actually being said. Right. So we can we can debate whether modern, whether tongues is, uh, you know, if you take a cessationist view on tongues or a continuation, they're restorationists, in my opinion, um, whether that is for the church today or not, but we don't have to argue whether they're they're disobedient to God's command as far as First Corinthians no, is not. concerned, and so that's and why I don't have a hard time saying that. Yeah, as as hard as that's going to be for some people to hear. Yeah, and tongues and interpretation, what they call that in um, in these um, Pentecostal churches, falls under the same category. It's a it's a it's a clear disobedience to first Corinthians 14. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a very weird experience for a visitor. They try to explain it away. Now I've noticed that after it gets done, these pastors or preachers are, are saying what you just experienced was tongues and interpretation. Mm-hmm. And they, they claim that it comes from first. Corinthians. And I would just, I would just say you, I would be so fearful now claiming that God was speaking through me without any sort of actual evidence that that's the case. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think that's a very, a very dangerous place to be where, um, I'd like, I'd like to err on the side that, um, is the safer side. Yeah. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does. Which is, I'm not going to claim the Holy Spirit is speaking to me just because I have some feeling or some thought in my head. Yeah. Or, I don't know, sometimes I think people know things from behind the scenes and then they act like that God told them that. And it's like, no, you are Well, and we could, we could, and again, this is, we've kind of gone deeper on the tongues things than maybe we, we wanted to in this episode, but I just think that it's such a huge part of their system and um, it's it's used more and more as a thought-stopping control device, I think, than anything else. And so, um, again, if you, if you believe that the, that you've received the Holy Spirit and that God is giving you a supernatural gift to speak in other languages, then I would go, I would tell you to go back to scripture and make sure that you're operating that gift according to scripture. 
Um, yeah. So Acts was a historical account and it was, you know, God used that as a gift to, to reach people with, you know, to, to point to Christ. And it's not something Paul says it in first Corinthians. We're not supposed to be seeking the sign gifts. Like he didn't give those to everybody, first of all. And I don't know. They just, they're very flashy. Well, I think if you, if you look at modern, again, the modern version of tongues, which is your own personal prayer language or your own heavenly language that they twist the angel part of the scripture to say it's the the tongues of angels. Um, he's speaking in hyperbole there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's this idea that God is speaking fresh revelation to you. God is speaking new things into you that you're going to have some extra power the more that you do it. This is all things that have no scriptural foundation. No. And um, I, I kind of just want to wrap the episode up by talking about the fact that the apostles warned us against these kind of things, A, and B, all of what we need for godliness and to walk with him is found in scripture. We don't need, we didn't even touch into the prophetic words and and that sort of thing that's very, very prevalent in the NAR charismatic UPC churches now. They believe in um, modern prophecy. It doesn't have to be accurate as it did in the Bible um, and those sort of things. So um, to, to kind of wrap it up, I would say a lot of these practices, if you study it out, it's very new age. It's very Gnostic, um, borderline or witchcraft style stuff is going on. I know that sounds super harsh. I know that sounds mm-hmm. super um, judgmental, but I, I've studied it enough now to see it's very rooted in pagan practices. Um, this idea that you can achieve some sort of state of being by speaking these words or communicating to God in, in those words there, that wasn't, it's not a prayer language. There's no scriptural basis for that. Um, so you can put it in the comment if you want, but, uh, I, I can't find a scripture that, that says that. Um, and so. Well, and a lot of the Gnosticism and New Age stuff is, again, it, it, it would be hard for them to hear this, but when you're so focused on yourself and finding that power within yourself and the power of positive thinking, all these types of things that they practice and do now, and their songs are sung about it, um, the 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 sermons quote unquote bad motivational speeches are all about finding that power within yourself and getting better and doing better and being better that's all how do you not recognize that as a new age um teaching yeah because we don't have power within ourselves to do anything like the Holy Spirit leads and guides us and directs us and 
produces the fruit of the spirit in us, that's nothing that we can come up with. And if the fruit of the spirit is self-control, then. Yeah. And along those same lines, I think it's, it's this, this idea that God wants to give you more and more and more every single service that like, that his word is not enough, that he hasn't given us everything that we need for godliness. Um, and this idea that we can go to another level. And so uh, let's, let's close by reading second Peter one 16 through 20, 21 for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty <laughs> for when he received honor and glory from God, the father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So they're talking about the mount, mount, the transfiguration um, right. account. Right. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to mm. which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation oh boy for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but by men but men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit mm-hmm. so i want to point out that um the the part that says that we have a prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention. What Peter's saying here is, is that like we saw this, we had this experience, but you have something greater. You have the written account of it now that will live on. Oh. And these are not just words. These are spoken of the, uh, you know, these are directly spoken by the Holy Spirit. And they're not open to someone's own, own interpretation. interpretation. And then I would also um, uh, point to 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, where Paul is obviously talking to young Timothy. um, And he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it. Yes. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the acquainted with the sacred writings, Mm -hmm. which were able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of the scripture. The Old Testament passages are not for applying those stories to, well, I shouldn't use the word applying because we apply the principles, right? That are taught. Pull the principles out. Don't think that you are equaling or that those same stories can happen in your life. Well, specifically, yes, we've talked about that, um, which isn't, the point I was going to make, but it's a very good point. I'm glad you Sorry. pointed out. No, I'm glad you pointed it out um, that these passages in the Old Testament testify of Christ. Ultimately, they testify of Christ. Yes. Um, and so he's telling young Timothy here, you were raised by people that believed in these and taught these sacred writings, the word of God, and they were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped 
for every good work. So meaning we need nothing. We don't need anything else other than the the sacred writings. And these guys were able to do it without even the new Testament. So I would encourage you that if you are going to a church that is telling you that you need a fresh word every day, you need a fresh revelation from God. um, That's uh, not what the scripture says. The scripture says he's giving you a more sure word of prophecy. Um, And I would also say, side note, that um, the Bible is pretty clear about people that say prophesy in the name of the Lord, and it doesn't come to pass that they have a um, pretty much a curse on them. Yeah. Because they're speaking blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. The name, yeah, the name of the And Lord. they're taking the Lord's name in vain, mm-hmm. which is against the second uh, commandment of God. Yep. Adding to scripture also, uh, be very careful. Well, and I heard one person say the other day, um, <laughs> if you're getting some sort of revelation or um, prophetic word that's, um, you know, needs to align to scripture, right? Like it should align with scripture. Yeah. But, but if it does, then why is it? What's the point of it? What's the point? We of already, it? Have, we the already scripture. have scripture. And if it doesn't align with scripture, obviously. Yeah. So <laughs> shouldn't be saying it anyways. Um, hopefully um, some of the things that we've discussed today will um, have been, um, you got something out of it. Yeah. Just keeping your eyes open if you're attending a church and just um, making sure that we are following scripture. There's some that might say, why don't you guys just leave well alone about all this stuff, right? You're out. You don't care about it anymore. Leave us alone. Well, we're instructed by scripture to um, not only test every spirit, but we're also told to mark and avoid those that would twist scripture or to claim things in the name of God that are not there. And um, I think it's, it's, it's damaging as we've said before. Um, And so I know that things like this were so important for me when I was making my journey out. And so we feel like it's very important to point out a system that we were in for so long and some of the heretical teaching, some of the twisting of God's word, and to help enlighten or wake people up to the fact that some of this stuff is just very out of out there, pagan, off the wall, and that we should, again, be aligning our belief systems and what we practice to what the scripture says. And it doesn't matter if you feel all jacked up on a Sunday. It should that shouldn't matter and shouldn't be what you're basing your walk with the Lord. Yeah. On. No, I think that's good. I um we obviously always want to make sure people know that it's coming our hearts are not um in a bad place. Like we want to see people free from the burdens that these churches put on people. And so that's another reason why we are trying to expose the false teachings. Yeah. 
So um, we thank you for listening, but we also want, if this can help someone, that's our heart's desire for sure. And we can, we feel like a lot, uh, the good way to do that is to kind of give our own experiences and to compare them to scripture. So that way. And I would encourage you if you are in, you know, in a charismatic UPC Pentecostal style church that you, and you're having any sort of question, like the biggest thing is, is are they, are they rightly exegeting the text? Are they reading the text in context? Are they even reading the text? I know. Um, so those are all things that hopefully um, will help and encourage. And um, that's, that's our goal. So if you made it this long, thanks for sticking with us. And if, and if you've enjoyed it and uh, we've earned a like or subscribe, we appreciate that. And yes. uh, tell us, tell us a crazy story or tell us what you think about some of the things we've talked about today. Yeah. Or if we didn't, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that we, we couldn't cover everything. Sure. But we touched on all the, the mountain peaks, I hope. Yeah. But put some extra stuff in the comments. We love it. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And so I guess that we should sign off. Yep. Oh, I hear we the didn't music. say our names. They should know it by now. <laughs> well, okay. It's our, it's in our description. That's true. You're right. But until next time, I'm Justin. <laughs> I'm Tiffany. We'll see you guys next time on the Grace Escape Podcast. Have a great week.